Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Caregiver Life podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Mary Han Ward, and Dr. Roxana Delgado with the TBI Warrior Foundation. Hello, ladies. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi, How are you? I am excited about today's episode because we are doing a special um, connection with the TBI Warrior Foundation just for our listeners um, to talk about everything during the month of March regarding brain injury awareness. March is Brain Injury Awareness Month and um, we're so excited about our partnership with the TBI Warrior Foundation and we're going to be bringing you lots of information about brain injuries, the resources that are out there uh, for those affected and we're also going to share some strategies for caregivers of loved ones with brain injuries, with memory disease, with neurological disorders. Uh, and we, we want to also make available some information specific to people who care for veterans. We know that there are hundreds of thousands of, of veterans who have suffered traumatic brain injury, also known as a TBI. And uh, we know that many of their issues uh, are similar to civilians that have had brain injuries, but we also know that they have some special resources and support. So we're gonna highlight all of those this whole month. Can you guys believe it? Wow, this is gonna be a good month. I just learned a lot from Roxana in the few minutes that I was talking to her before we went on the air. So we're so happy that Roxana is with us today. The TBI Warrior Foundation's mission really speaks to what Brain Injury Awareness Month is all about. Um, their mission is to improve the quality of life of veterans and civilians and children who are living with brain injuries along with their caregivers and they use community integration, education, and advancement of programs to make this mission happen. So um, Roxana, hello. Hi, how are you? So happy we to are- be here. Wonderful. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your motivation for this organization, maybe a little history about how you got started? Sure. So TBI Warrior Foundation, it's basically a labor of love. Um, It started with personal experience, firsthand experience. Uh, Victor, my husband, Victor Medina, um, he sustained a traumatic brain injury um, in combat in 2009. And seeing the challenges and the incredible um, support system that he required to be able to achieve independence, just, you know, sparkle that, that idea of, you know, what if everyone else could have this? What if we can provide something for those coming behind? And he was going in and out, you know, um, his uh, therapy um, program. And one day he said, if I'm ever achieve, if I ever achieve, you know, independence, I would love to create a foundation that will help others that are coming behind. Only because he have experienced this firsthand, he has seen the challenges. We both have seen the challenges as a family that, that has been affected and touched by this injury. So again, you know, it's a labor of love. Um, it, it, you know, we're, we're 10 years out from when he sustained the traumatic brain injury. So, uh, but, you know, by all means, it's, it's not an injury that gets cured. 
Uh, we know that brain injury is not something that could be immediately reversed or even, um, you know, reverse at all. But we learn to overcome. We learn to uh, live with this injury. And that's exactly what we're trying to do to help others who are coming behind. And the inspiration was basically, you know, our personal and professional experience. And we hope that, um, you know, we can talk more about it um, during this month. Now, um, of course, our listeners uh, already know that I care for my brother who suffered a traumatic brain injury during combat operations in Mosul, Iraq, while he was in the Army. And Mare cares for her husband, who has ALS, which is a neurological disease. Um, There is no cure. And it does affect a lot of uh, cognition and brain function. So we have a lot of questions for you, Roxanne. (laughs) Can you tell um, our audience, our listeners, just a little bit more about yourself? Like, how did, you know, where did you uh, go to school and, and what kind of experience do you have, bef- you know, before you start leading the foundation? Sure. So, um, so I, I, school for me was always like a priority. So um, back in um, 1999, I graduated with my first, you know, with a bachelor's degree in biology. Um, so basically, sciences is my, uh, what I like. Um, then I, I completed a master's in epidemiology, which is, you know, looking at diseases and trends and um, outbreaks. And then in 2013 is when I completed my doctorate um, in, in, in health sciences. So I'm an epidemiologist by training and have dedicated uh, most of my last, uh, you know, two decades to research. Um, and basically the last 13, 14 years I have been dedicating my life to looking at long-term outcomes of traumatic brain injury, PTSD, and some other injuries, the signature injuries in our veterans. And uh, a long time ago, uh, four years ago or so, I started more also in, with a new endeavor, looking at the long-term um, healthcare outcomes of um, the caregivers those who are caring for wounded, ill, and injured um, service members and veterans. So um, my whole life is, is basically um, dedicating to science and looking at how, you know, all these um, injuries are impacting our families, um, the long-term care of our veterans. And, and then not only that, you know, research is, it's, is something that we can do on a daily basis. And then, you know, we publish about it. But with that, we use a new model where, we're translating research into practice. And that's where the foundation comes into play. We take the data, we digest the data, and then we trans, you know, transform that into programs. And then we look at gaps and needs around the nation when it comes to traumatic brain injuries. And we try to create programs, but not only for our veterans, but also for our civilian counterparts and also the children who are living with, um, with these um, conditions. So. Wow, that's a tall order. Uh, Mayor, do you have uh, any experience working with Roxana? I get the feeling that you two know each other. Roxana and I know each other. We shared a year as Elizabethville Foundation Fellows. That's how we met. Um, And I think we met each other when we first were on a panel together. Do you remember that, Roxana? I remember very well. (laughs) Do you remember the name of the title of the panel? It had to do, okay, wait a minute. Now you're, you're making this interesting. Um, it had to do something with caregiving. And I remember in that panel, I focused or I kept 
talking about, you know, caregivers are aging faster than the rest of the, you know, that the rest of our counterparts is, or people with the same age. So that was one of the things that, that I remember I, I mentioned in that panel and you came to me and you were always so kind. Um, and I loved you from the beginning <laughs> when you came to me and you said, hey, what you just said there, it, it's, it's true. Because <laughs> I had been a caregiver for many years. So prior to Tom, um, my husband having ALS, he has a cognitive impairment from encephalitis. And it had a pretty good impact on his brain and many surprises along the way that took us years to figure out as it un unfolds, the endocrine system and the pituitary system and um, his executive functioning. So well, I think we connected also on that level because I've been a civilian caregiver and now also a caregiver to him because he's connected, service connected for ALS. The panel that we were on was um, what keeps us up at night. And I remember you saying, your health keeps you up at night. <laughs> <laughs> Long-term caregiving, because our caregivers are so much younger as a whole than they, than they were prior to 9-11. Ah, that's right. And I'm, you know, and one of my, and you're right, because one of my, and still one of my, um, uh, I don't want to call it fear, but it's kind of like something that I'm always thinking about is what if, you know, what if, my health doesn't go the way that um, I would like to, you know, and then what if I'm no longer here, you know? Um, I usually even tell Victor, I, I want you to go first because I can take care of myself, but I would hate to leave you behind, you know, so. We don't control that. Mm -hmm, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, we wish that we could control that, but I would imagine in your work with the foundation that you have caregivers who express that themselves how do you handle that when they when they say that to you absolutely um what we have seen and it's it's heartbreaking it's the parents that are caregivers um those who are already in their 60s we actually have a client that she's 82 and she's caring for her son that at the young age of 16 he had a terrible car accident so he not only had a spinal cord injury, but he had quadriplegia, and she's now 82, he's 50 something, and she's no longer strong to take care of him. And she just lost her husband last year. It's been very difficult for them, and she worries about that, and it keeps her up at night, you know, all the time. She thinks, when I'm no longer here, what is gonna happen to my son? Who's gonna take care of him the way I did for the past, you know, 30 something years? We, we see it constantly on a weekly basis, mostly on those parents that are caring for their adult children. We see it in spouses that are caring for their older, you know, um, spouse. And it, it is always heartbreaking, but what do we do? We try to start looking for and facilitating, um, looking for resources in the community. Um, one of the things that happen the most is that sometimes there's some immediate needs that those needs don't get um, fulfilled right away. They, they don't get fulfilled right away by government uh, programs. So we try to be a rapid response in, the, in that sense. Some of that will be home health. Some of that could be a walker uh, and as simple as, you know, uh, grocery shopping, you know, um, helping them. Um, get that uh, you know grocery list and 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 the delivery 
um, taken care of. So there's so many ways that we can all come together and help. Um, and that's how we're trying to, to help these, these families um, by providing the resources. I really appreciate you giving us some specific examples. You know, a lot of times uh, when you have conversations about brain injury care, about the caregiver issues, uh, we, we hear people talking in broad terms and in, you know, wide sweeps with a brush. And by, by narrowing it down, I think you've given our listeners, perhaps they're corporate entities or maybe they are community members and they're not caring for someone with a brain injury, but they know someone who is. So you've given them some ideas. They may have a small equipment need like a walker, um, a new shower chair. I know Mayor is waiting for a new shower chair right now. And those things oftentimes are not expensive, but the weight on them through from whatever agency um, is responsible for providing them can sometimes be so impactful on the caregiver and the care recipient. And uh, there was an instance in my caregiving experience, my brother has um, adaptive tableware and they are microwave and dishwasher safe, but they had been, we'd used them so much that the handles on the spoon and the fork were just getting like, kind of sticky and rubbery mm -hmm. and they just weren't good to use anymore. And um, it was going to take some bit of a process to get them through the VA. So we were going to have to have an appointment with physical therapy and an evaluation and then they would have to put in an order. Well, we use utensils at every meal. <laughs> so we didn't want to wait. And we were able to connect with a, a small community foundation that provided us those in the interim and it was just it wasn't a lot of money we could have invested it ourselves but there was this organization that had reached out to us and said how can we help and so by being able for to verbalize my need and accept help that foundation was able to you know use their donor dollars to support a family that really needed it so I appreciate using those specific examples and I'm glad you're measuring that because people don't think about, you know, eating or feeding as, as an in, in, incredible, um, in, the incredible impact that can have in somebody's quality of life. We had um, a parent contacting us um, before Christmas that their son stopped eating because he didn't want mom to be feeding him. And the same way, you know, they, he, um, he needed a robotic, one of those robotic utensils because of his paralysis and he lost 20 pounds. So um, we, you know, like that small foundation, uh, we're not huge, but we were able to provide uh, that kit to that, um, to that um, person. And then they send us pictures of him eating, you know, like Chinese food and soup and all that. So just a small, um, and things that may look small, they're not really that small in somebody's life. So that's the kind of work that we do too. You know, we, we try, like you said, you know, you, you would have waited probably weeks or months until the whole process goes by, but you know, somebody needs to eat every day and a couple of times a day. So, um, so I'm glad that your, 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 um, um, brother was able to, to find that help and, and yeah. So, so we're going um, to take a pause for a couple of seconds here, but, um, I wanted to ask Roxana, where could our listeners find the found your foundation online and on social media? So we are at www.tbiwarriorfoundation.org. 
And if you go to Facebook, you just type TBI Water Foundation and you're gonna be able to find us there. Or if you go to Twitter, we're at TBI Water, same as um, Instagram, um, we, we, our handle is TBI Water. So the whole idea is TBI Water. It doesn't matter where you type it, it's trademark, so we'll come up <laughs> and you're gonna be able to see a lot of different things that we have been working on. Okay, great, so TBI Warrior Foundation, but if you type in TBI Warrior, you're, you're gonna be all over Google or Bing or whatever your search engine is. Okay, great, so we're gonna take a little pause for um, a sponsorship and we'll be right back. Today's episode of This Caregiver Life is brought to you by TBI Warrior Foundation, a nonprofit organization with a mission to improve the quality of life for veterans, civilians, and children living with brain injury, as well as their caregivers, through community integration, education, and advancement programs. March is National Brain Injury Awareness Month. Every year, two and a half million people in the United States sustain traumatic brain injuries. TBI Warrior Foundation is grateful for this opportunity to bring you education from experts in the field of TBI, as well as inspirational stories and helpful life strategies from TBI caregivers themselves. TBI Warrior Foundation, paving the path to success and independence. Learn more at www.tbiwarriorfoundation.org. Okay, great. Well, welcome back. I have some interesting facts about brain injuries that were new to me. Every nine seconds, someone in the United States sustains a brain injury. Over 5 million Americans are living with a TBI-related injury. Um, and for those who are not sure what TBI means, it's a traumatic brain injury. But that's pretty um, astounding numbers. How many Absolutely. have you seen through your foundation? How many have you served so far? So in two years, we have served close to 2,400 uh, families um, uh, throughout our, you know, including all our different programs. And, and you're right. And those are what you just said, Mary, um, is, is the statistics of those who survive. But we have 55,000 people die every year from a traumatic brain injury. So those who survive wow. are going to see long lasting effects of the injury. Um, there's 2.5 million. I know you said, like, you know, every nine seconds, 2.5 million every year sustains a brain injury. And the most vulnerable are older adults, like 65 and, and, and older, and children under the age of five. So sometimes it just takes a, a bit of prevention. Um, you know, when you send out your children um, with their bikes, put that helmet, include that helmet with their bikes. And if you have a parent that is at full risk or, you know, falling is, is the most devastating, um, uh, you know, accident that can happen to someone that is older than 65. So, you And know. it's so preventable. All of both of those things. I mean, oftentimes we can't do anything about car accidents, but we can certainly help keep our children safe with helmets and help keep our elderly loved ones safe by picking up throw rugs, uh, installing night lights and handrails and just doing so many of the preventative things. I, I appreciate you highlighting that because um, we know that millions of people sustain those brain injuries and then they have a much shorter lifespan because of it. Yeah. Well, we know that in the ALS community as well, our biggest caveat is don't fall. Falling, 
And with ALS, falling can be so devastating because they can't, somebody with ALS can't adequately break their fall. They hit their heads and they go down really hard. So it's um, preventing the falls are huge for people in general, but especially in our, in, in our, our more frail communities like ALS. And like I always say, and if you fall because falls happens and there's, you know, it could be an accident, then don't, don't underestimate it. You know, seek help. If something hurts, something went wrong, you know, so, so don't underestimate it. Don't feel shameful about it. Don't be ashamed of it. Um, I know um, many people that they didn't go to the doctor. They did not seek help because they were ashamed that they fell. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And if you are listening to this and you think that you're fall risk and you would like to, you know, know more about how to prevent falls, just, you know, um, go to our web, uh, web website or email us and we'll be more than happy to provide, you know, more guidance into how to prevent those falls. So what are some of the um, strategies and tools is really, uh, we're focusing so much on that in this caregiver life um, recently. And so what are some of the strategies that you could offer caregivers um, for someone with a TBI strategies and tools. I mean, I think they work hand in hand, but yeah, what comes to mind with you, what you think about that. Yeah, they go hand in hand, in, and I think it all depends. Um, I don't. We don't like focusing on the brain injury based on severity, but the reality is that when you're seeing a, a brain injury that has like more severe effects, like a moderate severe brain injury, you can see some physical. Um, uh, paralysis. So one of the workshops that we provide is equipping, um, you know, the caregiver to know how to provide that um, care in terms of activities of daily living. When you're bathing and transferring someone from a wheelchair to the bed, or you're feeding someone, how can you do it with the least risk to your own health? So you're going to notice that a lot of caregivers are, you know, they end up hurting all over you know, their backs, their shoulders, their hips, their knees. And then you see, you know, um, some, some issues with physical, that they, they, they require physical therapy. So the question is, why nurses can serve as a nurse for 30 years and don't hurt? They don't hurt. <laughs> it's because they're trained for it. So, you know, the whole idea is training our caregivers into how to accomplish the activities of daily living in a way that they can still sustain their own health. So that's one of the, the skills and, and tools that we found to be very useful for caregivers. The other one is, you know, when you think about caregiving, um, you leave in the morning to an appointment and probably you don't get home until late, you know, that afternoon. So we provide another workshop that is about, you know, cooking healthy meals using the slow cooker. And we know, and we have getting this, we, we have been getting a lot of requests for using all kind of other things. But the whole idea of using a slow cooker is that you put everything in the morning, you go to the appointments, you come back, and voila, you know, uh, dinner's ready. So um, it's being a caregiver is not easy by any means. Um, I don't think there's any school that can prepare you to be a caregiver. There's no degree that can prepare you to be a caregiver. But each caregiver can recognize their needs they can recognize what things can make them have a better life and in this case quality of life for themselves at the same time they care for someone and that's what we try to interject 
that's that's where we want to come into your life um, we want to help you find those things that can help you be a better caregiver if you're going to school and this is just another example that we have supported caregivers they're going to school sleepless nights they're very uh, a lot of anxiety about going to school at the same time they're caring for someone and sometimes they have contacted us because they cannot enroll to sc in school because they just don't have the money for their books don't let that stop you reach out there's if we cannot provide the help we will always find someone that can provide that support so uh, caregivers i feel are very special are the backbone of the uh, rehab and the and the outcomes of the person they're caring for so more than anything else we cannot neglect them we have to ensure that caregivers remain strong physically emotionally spiritually and socially so the um last thing that we do also um you know is that we try to create some support system for them so we do not have any peer mentor program or anything like that but we recommend them to some that we have already experienced that we collaborate with um and when and when uh, you know we have some opportunities to where we um when we where we collaborate with other organizations and if they're taking caregivers out then uh, let's say we cover for the lunch <laughs> they cover for the movies we cover for the lunch or something like that so we're always very open to collaborations we are not going to fulfill all the needs for everyone in this you know nation but stronger to we can be stronger if we work together so that's how we feel and we work with many different organizations to be able to fulfill the needs of caregivers that's Aww. outstanding roxana hmm. does that make sense <laughs> No, I think oh, it makes great sense because I feel like you're not you're not overlapping your services. You're using you're using other nonprofits, other organizations out there, and knitting them in with what you can provide. Absolutely, and that's what we you know we early on when when we established a foundation, we did an environmental scan to see who's doing what, and it has happened even where um, somebody reaches out to us. Um, here in town or from um, uh, another organization somewhere else and then we provide the help and they can provide a different one so together we have been able to fulfill a larger need that if we only if we were the only ones providing um, the help um, sometimes we haven't been able to provide you know or support the 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 need because either the geographical you know location or the funding is too much for us we're not you know a large organization but we have been able to knock on certain doors and two and three organizations all of us together we made it happen um so it's it's beautiful and i could even mention those organizations if you would like me to but you know it's, it's up to you because we take a lot of pride on on having strong partners and, and people who who have always said yes to us yeah, you can <laughs> You can mention those organizations. We would love to know them. Oh, you want to know? Okay. All about sharing whatever we can for our caregivers. Yeah, also, absolutely. So in, in San Antonio, um, we do not have to invest in big facilities because we conduct most of our workshops, our caregiver workshops are conducted out of the um, connectability at Warm Springs. They are a nonprofit serving people with severe disabilities. Um, and Warm Springs is a hospital 
a rehab, a neuro rehab hospital. So we conduct most of our um, caregiver workshops from that location. Um, we also conduct uh, workshops and golf clinics and some other um, events out of the Fair Oaks Ranch Country Club. They have been incredibly gracious to us and they allow us to have, you know, after hours, if it's a Saturday evening or Friday evening um, uh, workshop, we can conduct it from there. So they have been incredible. They have been amazing. Um, the Hearts of Valor, whenever they have like outings with the caregivers, they allow us to then provide for lunch or the dinner, depending on, on the type of event they're running. So they pay for the ticket for the, um, for the caregivers to go on a movie night or, or, or afternoon, and then we, we, um, we support them by taking them to ice cream or anything else. Um, another organization that we have worked with um, is the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. They have reached out um, for certain services, but we also have reached out to them, and they always have said yes. Um, the Wonder Water Project here in town has been incredibly amazing for the vocational rehab program. So we do provide rehabilitation counseling for veterans and civilians with brain injury, but we, we don't help so much on finding the job because that exists already. You have the hiring our heroes, you have other programs that are well established. But we looked at the critical time where um, people with disabilities lose their job and the job retention is usually an average for someone with a disability or brain injury six months. So we come in um, to help with uh, job retention and that's what we do. Um, we have reached out to Semper Fi, America's Fund, um, we have partnered actually to do half and half. So we end up um, helping um, some of the veterans and their caregivers um, by going half and half on helping them. Operation Homefront, the same way. Um, the Alamo Head Injury, we provided a scholarship to, um, to a, he's actually a, a, a young man here in the San Antonio area, and we provided a scholarship so he could finish his school. And the animal head injury um, surprised us with a with a matching, so they matched the scholarship, and that young man was able to finish his school. So these are just some of the local organizations, and some of them that are serving uh, nationwide. But these are local chapters. They have been incredibly gracious um, and so supportive, and they recognized us as as an organization that could, you know, um, partner with and help. And um, and one that I wanna I don't wanna forget is Operation Gratitude. They send us a hundred boxes um, at a time so we can distribute um, here in town. So we have been able to distribute those boxes not only for the caregivers and the veterans that participate of the workshops and some other activities and programs, but we also do um, visits, like hospital visits, and that brings a lot of joy when they open that box and they get to see all the goodies and the care that is put into that box. So um, it's been fabulous. What, what, is a, what is a good takeaway that people should know about brain injuries? Um, one thing that people should know about brain injuries definitely is that don't try to understand it. Don't try to establish a prognosis. We cannot predict brain injury and what is going to happen in the long term. But we should start, we should see brain injury as a conglomerate or a, or a, a cluster of symptoms. So Reaching out for the specialty that can take care of those symptoms, that would be the best course of action. 
Some people have issues, um, people with brain injuries, they may have issues with headaches. Let's start with the top of our, our you know, body. So they may have issues with headaches, very uh, terrible headaches. Um, some others may not have any headaches or minor headaches. Um, then you have the cognitive issues. Cognitive issues can go from very mild to severe cognitive um, impairments. Then you have the swallowing. You have problems with feeding, swallowing, uh, problems with uh, ringing in the ears. You can have auditory processing disorder. There's so many different comorbid conditions, or what we call comorbidities with brain injury. There really is not a one-size-fits-all. What I recommend usually is for um, the caregiver in this case is the best suitable to look at all the symptoms and make a checklist and start tracking and monitoring because some of these symptoms are going to appear not immediately. They don't, they don't come all at once. Um, sometimes you're going to see four or five symptoms, for example, the nausea, the headaches, the, the dizziness, the most notable. But then with time, you're going to start seeing additional symptoms. So you don't know if this uh, related to the TBI or what is going on, but the most important is to journal um, along the way during this journey, what are the symptoms that appear, which ones are no longer as bad or as critical, and which ones are kind of like showing on a very, like not as frequent, but that are rare, um, because those may need uh, to be taken care of at the same time too. So um, another thing that is very neglected is the eyes. You know, optical uh, nerves can get um, altered by the brain injury and affected by the brain injury. So you see a loss of um, peripheral uh, vision. Um, that's very important and that, that affects quality of life. It's not just a quality of life where you say, oh, I'm not happy or I'm happy. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do that if you, if you don't take care of vision and, per, and the peripheral vision, the likelihood that that person is going to be in a car accident is higher if it's behind the wheel than if they don't take care of it because they may not see to either the left or the right. In Victor's case, he's, um, he's bilateral, so that means both eyes. Um, hemianopsia. So that means that on both eyes, he do, does not see to his right side. So he has a bilateral right hemianopsia. Um, if he's not using his, what we call the special glasses, um, he could miss schools, uh, school zones because he won't see the, the, the traffic lights. He could miss you know, the stop signs that he did in the past. And that's not only dangerous for the person, but dangerous for others. So, so I always say we, with, with brain injury, don't be complacent, you know, be on top of it every day, all the time, check what it, and you know, not in a way to create anxiety. Um, the whole idea is not creating any anxiety, but sometimes things look small or insignificant and they may not be as insignificant, like bumping your head, you know, let's say you're in the kitchen and you notice that your loved one is bumping their head with the um, opening the fridge or opening cabinets, you know, that's something that should not be disregarded, you know. I think that was good advice to keep pursuing um, consultations and keep doing research, keep reading about what could be uh, going on with your loved one and ask for those referrals from your primary care doctor to get your vision checked, to get hearing checked, whatever it is that you might suspect that, you know, best case scenario is they come back with 
with nothing or maybe a, a small tweak in medication or something easy. Um, and, and if it's worst case scenario, you're being proactive and covering all the bases. Um, Roxana, you have been a just so thorough and a delight to have on the show. Mary and I are just honored to be partnering with TBI Warrior Foundation um, and This Caregiver Life for the uh, for March Brain Injury Awareness Month. And we want to thank you for being here and just thank you for sharing all of your insight. We're going to lean on you some more. Uh, for questions and answers about brain injuries and, and what caregivers can do. Um, as Mayor said, we're focusing on strategies and, and tactics to make this caregiver life uh, the best one that we could possibly have. I, I wanna invite our listeners to engage with us on our social media channels um, and to please share our podcast and uh, any posts that you see that we put up there on your social media. So you can always use uh, the hashtag this caregiver life. If you put up a picture or a post about your caregiver life, share it with others because as Roxana pointed out, we get through this easier by doing it together. Um, and so if you want to find us, um, we're on Twitter at This Caregiver, at Facebook at This Caregiver Life. We're also on Instagram, right, Bear? Yep, we're on This Caregiver Life on Instagram. And we would love for you to send us photos that we could share, uh, either of you doing something that you enjoy doing yourself, not as a caregiver or as a caregiver. We, we just would love to have photos that we can share and, and spread the word about being caregivers. We're so excited to be able to provide this podcast for you and so grateful for your forgiveness as we work through some engineering and technicalities. Uh, we're looking forward to the day that we actually have an engineer on staff. And until then, um, this caregiver life is really just a passion of ours and we're so thankful that you're here with us. Um, if you love us, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can, of course, find us anywhere where you get your podcasts. Uh, but those ratings help keep us up in the rankings so that other caregivers can find us too. Um, before we close out with Roxana, I just want to remind you that during the month of March, you can follow along on all things brain injury awareness by uh, searching and using the hashtag changeyourmind which is very clever and the theme for this year's Brain Injury Awareness Month. So uh, any final thoughts, Roxana, that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, um, I'm very excited to um, have this opportunity to discuss a little bit more about brain injury. Um, brain injury can really be a very frustrating condition. I wanna be realistic. Um, I want caregivers to know that there's nothing wrong to feeling frustrated, to feeling a sense of sorrow and loneliness. But you can feel all that, and that is fine. But that's why we exist. We want to make sure that you're able to find a way where your journey is a bit more bearable. And I was a caregiver. I am a caregiver. And I'm, I've been caring for 10, 11 years now. And I can tell you that, like Jennifer mentioned too, that by being together, you form stronger bonds. You're going to be able to overcome in a better way. So. Brain injury, really nobody un understands it very well, not even the medical community. So those frustrations are, are normal. Um, it is normal to feel that you're going to see new things happening and, and, and things are going to come to you and you're going to see your loved one maybe change throughout time. But you know what? Keep your spirits up. Keep listening to this podcast. Keep making community and know that you're incredibly loved. 
I appreciate that so much. For years, I felt really isolated and alone. Um, and I got to a very dark place in my life because nobody told me that it's normal to not feel normal. So thank you for that. Um, and to our caregivers who are struggling right now, uh, please know that you can and should ask for help. And there are wonderful people like Dr. Roxana Delgado and the TBI Warrior Foundation out there to help you. Thanks so much for joining us today, Roxana. Thanks for listening to everyone out there. And until next time, bye-bye.